This episode of the On The Radar Podcast is brought to you by Laser Light Recording Studio in Waterville, Ohio. The world is calling. Pick it up. Welcome to another great episode of the On The Radar Podcast. This is a podcast that features music and studio performances and interviews from a Midwestern perspective. My name is Peapod. Final episode of this crazy, crazy year that was uh, 2020. Uh, But I'm very excited because not only uh, we've had one band to return back to the podcast in full, but now we have another great act that they were a part of year one of this uh, of this phenomenal uh, uh, podcast and project. And I'm very excited to bring back a couple of the members of the current incarnation of Tree No Leaves. Uh, And I'm very excited. And uh, Dustin is joining us back here again for the third time on the podcast you might remember dustin from the very first time trino leaves was on he was part of the second ever mixed signals and you can find those episodes wherever you get your podcast from dustin welcome back thanks for joining me here once again hey it's good to be here uh yeah third time's a charm hopefully and uh i'm excited to talk about this strange year and the album that we've created in within the context of that year so Absolutely, and uh, while while his uh, video says Vladimir, which kind of gave me a little oh. bit of like a moment, I'm just like, wait a <laughs> wait, wait a wait. tick. <laughs> we we use this we use this for my uh, son's trumpet lessons. Oh, okay. So yeah. So, anyway, the my other- name is not. Vladimir, although that is a pretty sweet name, which is why we. Yeah, it, it is. It choice. is. Yeah, it is. I'll I'll have I'll have him introduce himself uh, to the band. <laughs> oh, um, Vladimir. No, wait a minute, me. Yes, you. My name, okay. My name is okay. Gotcha. My name is Stephen Stephen Guerrero, uh, and I am uh, currently the bassist for uh, uh, Trino Leaves. Yes. What's always great about Trino Leaves is, and we explored this, is like Trino Leaves has have had so many incarnations, and much like a tree itself, as it grows, it grows more branches and branches out to different styles of music and different members that come in and out of the band. And while every member has, you know, is always welcomed back into the the current incarnation, this current incarnation is very interesting. So, Dustin, and since you are the uh, main root. Of, of of this tree, and that's enough, um, ar- you know, arbor p- uh, puns for the the night. Um, can tell me a little bit about this current incarnation of Trina Lee's as we are in uh, the, the the day of the recording of uh, twenty twenty. Uh, at the moment, we uh, in many ways are a, a five piece, but it, towards the end of our run of two thousand nineteen, we became a four piece. Really, uh, at one point, I think we were almost a seven or at least a six, and so it. We were playing a lot of live shows, extended sets, more uh, kind of improvisational jam band stuff. Not that we were just doing that, but uh, that was the focus of the band pretty much for the last two two years since we Prophet Holographic came out. And so through doing some of that, we learned a lot about each other as a band who sort of was capable of doing some of those things, who wasn't, and just sort of creative differences in some ways. And so which brought us to really Stephen joining uh, the band in the midst of sort of 2019 um, I've known Stephen for years and sort of he kind of came in and just sort of 
does what he does with, you know, he is this amazing solo project, Flat Earth Agenda, which we can talk about for sure. But he kind of came in and just kind of filled the void that was there. And so um, with his style and really Garrett, really with the saxophone becoming such more of a prevalent part of the sound, I think that's really what's different about us now. And so, you know, a lack of guitar, but really, you know, for me, it's I'm also more keyboard focused. So it's really keyboards bass saxophone and drums now and so we also do a lot of world percussion with billy gruber playing with us and jb stabal on drums and garrett tanner on sax that's the that's the the latest incarnation and so this is also cool to make a record right now that we're working on that this is really the version of the band that exists and so the whole record was made with that sort of version of the band and sort of you know it's we'll be excited to play this stuff out um in the future so I think that's really that's the most unique thing about us now is sort of uh, being able to create something in and together, which we'll talk about more, which I'd love to. And as we dive into more of the the new album, uh, before we get into that, Stephen, kind of tell me a little bit about your background. Of for those who may not know who Stephen is, um, you know, Stephen is a very accomplished bass player. Um, and when I just say bass player, it, it goes beyond that. Uh, the The project of Flat Earth Agenda is an absolute tremendous uh, soundscape, live looping, and just really incredible uh, style of music. But uh, Stephen, kind of give us a little bit of your background and your rundown of uh, music and how you uh you 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 dr- jumped into the tree <laughs> i uh well yeah thank you for those 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 nice words i appreciate it um yeah so i have the solo project that i've been i've been doing that for a long time and prior to uh to the current the incarnation of flat earth agenda which is myself and john hubble um i had been doing the solo stuff for a long time developing it in as sort of a ambient scape thing i was like i'm gonna be a soundscape artist but i'm just gonna use my bass but that <laughs> slowly turned into where i was i just couldn't get away from just being a, like kind of a bassist you know like you know the grooving and that kind of thing just kind of making sure that i i had um something to tap your feet to so to speak right anyways long story short um back then i was like about 10 years ago i met dustin you know we were doing shows i think we were all were sort of like fancying ourselves as soundscape alternative like what is it uh uh, soundscape artist or whatever that was. What was this, like an experimental music scene that was happening at the time? I mean, Jake Hildreth was part of that thing at one point. Mm-hmm. So long story short, that that was something that sort of developed into everybody kind of making their own headway, their own projects. Trino Lee's came out of that. I remember coming over to your place and doing, doing a show at some barn with you and just Sarah at the time. It wasn't mm-hmm. even like a full setup. Um, I hadn't had a drummer either at that point. So I don't know. Fast forward, here we are. You know, I get a text from from them to fill in for one day and I was like yeah sure I'll do it and I was in Canada at the time and uh they were like yeah and uh, yeah I'll, I can do it and they were like well we already got somebody and I was like oh that's fine that's cool and then two days before the gig they're like hey that guy fell through here's eight songs to learn <laughs> <laughs> two days okay. eight songs let's go <laughs> and so that's that's, a, that's kinda... exactly what happened yes <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of what happened you know yeah um but yeah, so I just kind of brought my giant motherboard of a pedal board, which is a bit of an ostentatious uh, experiment thing. That I mean, really, it's just ridiculous. And it really is. I've seen it live. It's, uh, it's dumb. It's, it's really. <laughs> it's it's an exercise, and I would I would I don't want to say narcissism, but I'm just like, hey, that pedal would be great. That would be great, and I could use it for this thing. Well, then, long story short, I, I'm carrying around a pedal board that weighs more than both my bases. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. So I brought that along and. Uh, and just sort of incorporated that. I mean, since you know there was there were songs that had guitar in it, and we were playing these these shows without it, um, it it seemed to be able to take up that space. You know, I was able to utilize a lot of those effects to kind of to 
just come in and fill that place up, I guess, you know. I guess that's it. Pretty simple, really. <laughs> yeah. For me, the uniqueness of Steven was really, at the end of the day, he was the first bassist that we've played with that really utilized pedals and was more interested in layering and sonic stuff where predominantly all the other bass players before really just plug in and go. You know, it was, it was kind of a joke that, like, when I'd show up with all my gear, they would just be standing there looking at me like, let's go. And I'm like, you just have an amp and a bass. I mean, I feel... I feel sort of like that's like you're cheap. You're kind of cutting it short, but not really. It's sort of, it's nice to have a sound from the bass that isn't predictable at all times, but also carries that low current. That's really important for this band. and has been for a long time, you know? So, uh, yeah. And so, it's yeah. not to say that that's not like an important part of music either, or even to like, um, mm -hmm. d um, down talk previous incarnations, you know, uh, abilities. I mean, everybody was fantastic, you know? Um, so I, I don't mean to sound like that, but when I say it was pretty simple, it was sort of like, I just brought along my pedal board and started pressing buttons, you know? So for me, it was sort of like, this is what I did, you know? But, um, no, man, everyone else did really great prior to all this. So I'm actually pretty, I was actually pretty honored that they even asked me. I just kind of figured <laughs> it was just going to be a fill-in, so. It's kind of crazy because Trino leaves it like, at least in the, in the, in this area, you know, if we go a hyper, uh, local in, in the Northwest Ohio region, it's always been like this legacy act. Uh, if you look at the span of the Midwest, Trino leaves is almost on like that, that, that curvature on the outside while the, you know, the, this, uh, area of the country concentrates a lot more on like your metalcore, your emo, you know, you're not seeing a lot more, you're not seeing a lot of jam bands. You're not seeing a lot of like soundscape. So like, you know, flat earth agenda and steven's project and trino leaves kind of is on those that that outside looking in uh realms of music but it all still fits well and it all you know gathers everybody uh in and you know uh coming into uh this new album uh it, it was something brand new because i remember dustin when you reached out to me and say you know we have a new project in and it's it's more of a it's it's more of not like it's very centered uh, the eyes of Xylem, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Maybe correct. I, yeah, I'll go yeah. with that. That's how I've been saying it. So it could be wrong, but we're all saying it wrong, which I'm okay with. So all right, sweet, cool. <laughs> I I, I've <laughs> I said it wrong. The eyes of, the, it's all the eyes of Xylem. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and this is a you know in the almost the you know it's it's a very story driven uh project and idea and everything. So we'll 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 dive into that because that's what we're here for. So, um, uh, what's this idea you that you've uh, brought to the table, Dustin? Um, I think over the years, there's always been a, a want to, to be more narrative-driven or story-driven within music. I think lyrically, that's something we've done a little bit of, but there's never really been a continuity or a true sort of commitment to it. I think a lot of artists, when they're writing songs, will at times jump into story-driven stuff, certainly country music and hip-hop and things. There's a lot of that, and rock music does it as well, but I think there's... Uh, it is a commitment to sort of say everything that you're going to consume is within the context of this story and these characters and really w world building. And I think that's something, you know, I, I'm a huge comic book, graphic novel person, really. Mm -hmm. and, and that's taken hold of me over the last five years, really. I sort of so I've almost been like experiencing this whole new world that I wasn't aware of. Uh, and so that really influenced a lot of the songwriting and seeing things on a visual end. And really the thing that changed this record besides the songs was meeting um, Andy Thomas, who really uh, was a co-worker of mine before the pandemic hit. And so we sort of shared this bond of uh, music and certainly comic books. And sort of I had this idea when we were as a band just sort of riffing about we had some ideas for chord progressions after we stopped playing. 
And uh, I was like, you know, I really like to do something that's sort of a comic book, but it incorporates the music that we're doing now and it sort of forces us to be very focused in what we're trying to accomplish. And so I think the band was into it. And I had sort of a, a night where you sort of have this sort of stream of consciousness where I, the whole story came to me and I just wrote it down on a piece of paper. It was actually, you could barely read it. It was sort of like this scribbled thing and it was the paper was far too small, but I had committed to putting the whole thing on there. And so it was upside down and sideways. And so I did that, brought it to work and did that in the morning at work because I was committed to it. I mean, maybe it like, looked like I was working, but it wasn't really working, sort of, you know, sending emails, <laughs> yeah, but working on my mad scientist idea. <laughs> but uh, I did that and sort of pitched it to Andy and he was sort of 100% into it. And so he had never really done anything like this other than he likes comic books, graphic novels, and uh, I liked the work that I saw. It sort of had a minimalism work to it, but also... He was very into characters, which I thought was it would only work if we did that. So um, that's how the story started. You know, that's really what was unique about this. Again, we've tapped into some sort of ideas like that before, but you know, every sound you hear, all eight tracks, um, you know, every song has its own unique artwork, and it's going to be a book too. So it's a it's a tangible thing that you sort of can hold, which and, is unique and they, to what we're doing. And and each song kind of has its own feel. Like it's they're pretty distinct. Um, they are yeah yeah so, oh yeah yeah i don't know i didn't realize you heard um yes. i thought maybe just yeah there's very it kind of runs the gamut i mean um there's even like brother rain was one of those songs that like is like would try to make it monstrous almost in certain ways and tried to make it sound like it was larger than life and that was really difficult to mix and really difficult to sort of like get that down you know with um the amount of the, the type of distortions and things that i was using on the bass it's it's a, it took on a whole feel that was just it, it made sense in terms of what the brother what brother rain you know represents and and, and the, the cosmic entity that this thing is and I was attempting we were we should, I should say we were attempting to kind of mimic that or make that part of that song and I, I think we got there I think we got pretty close to to that on that particular song and that's my opinion anyways well, yeah, there's a lot of characters <laughs> and it's interesting to, it's interesting to write a song about a character too and sort of you know sometimes you'll yeah. name someone in the song and you reference them but you know i did sort of we did a treatment where we sort of laid out characters who they were what they looked like some of their tendencies and so i think that helped everyone know where i was coming from lyrically and certainly t sonically have an idea i mean i think there was fun stuff with garrett when we were recording the saxophone where I was directing oh, a lot yeah. and being like, you know, I was like, the characters are teenagers right now and they're just really angsty. And he's like, okay. And as he's playing it, you know, sort of giving me feedback in the moment. And I think that was really interesting. I hope for them, for him to sort of have more guidance as opposed to just, yeah, we can do whatever you want here. Um, and I think that was cool for us. And so, um, but yeah, every song is very unique. And I think that was from frustrations and mixing it and stuff like that too, because every <laughs> song is dramatic. We did a lot of tr electronics, live drums, there's layering, but, different yeah, types could... of keyboards and stuff. Steven uses a different bass tone, you know, depending on what the song is needed with too. So that's a, yeah. it's not a plug. You can't just put one plug in over the whole thing and go, you know, yeah. sort of. A... And it was, it was interesting too. And I, well, I'd say interesting. We were kind of backed into a corner. I mean, a lot of bands I think were really this year, you know, we really couldn't have access to, um, uh, just because of COVID and, not, and having all those restrictions and things being on uh, in quarantine and, and us really taking yeah. it seriously, honestly, you know, I, we have families and, you know, Dustin and I have families and we, um, you know, I'm in, I still go to work and that kind of stuff. So I had to really be cognizant about um, staying in quarantine. And so we well, we're going to record. Well, you know, JP has, uh, what is it? The, um, not 808, but uh, um, an Octopad. So essentially all the drums 
um, the main drums on everything is essentially that octopad that we were able to kind of utilize. And that's um, that was probably one of the hardest bits to kind of like make work. Um, but I think we did it. You know, it was, it was interesting. So basically we kind of worked in isolation and then just were sending tracks to each other and being like, and having constant conversation about parts here and this and that and what this what worked here what levels were there i mean we've we've had several incarnations of these songs and i think what we arrived to is um a, a really um and a really interesting mix of tunes uh, it's really interesting because you know i i was listening to it uh and i got an early preview of it before we started tonight um and and after just one listen through you know i i, I got enough of the feel of like what we were trying to get through and what was uh trying to be displayed in the songs uh you know with more when the when the album releases uh and and everything and more deep dives into it you can kind of feel and flesh out all the the stories and everything but the one thing that i I immediately, when I was done listening to it, I immediately messaged Dustin and I went, this is very jazz-like. Um, and, and his response was, it's the first album we've ever done without a guitar. And I, and, and, and it, and it felt like it didn't really need the guitar, but it was something like, I, I didn't expect that going into it. It's, you know, especially with, you know, the, the history of Trino leaves. So I thought, I found that ex uh, really interesting. Well, you're very unique for me. I think, I mean, I, I played guitar prom prominently, you know, in the first five years of the band sort of did, then I did sort of double duty and sort of did, uh, you know, and I was really a post-rock guitarist, you know, that's really my, I don't write riffs. I, you know, I was really into wall of sound sort of, uh, a lot of the post-rock stuff that came out in the early two thousands, mid two thousands, which I love that stuff. So uh, I think that was a part of our sound. And when Calvin came in with sort of more of your traditional lead guitar riffs, the heavy stuff and I think that I never really played a lot of that you know but I think he brought that blues certainly the blues elements to the band um and some of like just the, those classic guitar sounds you know the which I love but I think in the sense of changing we had to say like wait we can't we're not trying to replace people that's always been a, a focus for me in the band as we change is that we're not looking to replace we're looking to adapt and change and yeah, try evolve. to grow and I think that was something that the people hopefully when they hear it they're going to be a little sort of like confused and sometimes not because we might expect something but i think it's strange how much the guitar takes up a lot of space in in the sound of a band and in a project and i think it lent us to try some other things um which was kind of fun you know and i think uh we've debated about you know do we get another guitar player you know and obviously what steven does many times is is referencing a lot of that stuff but it's different than you know your funk guitar your your riff, you know, your classic just bending strings to solo stuff, you know, which I love some of that, but uh, there's none of that on the record, you know, so. Um. Yeah, I did, I, I, I didn't try to replace, so to speak, that, that kind of feeling in terms of what the bass was doing, you know, like I always kind of felt like the bass was a little bit more than just, just the bass, you know, and I think that, I, like, that's kind of my whole thing, um, but um, I wasn't trying to replace guitarists or anything, you know, um, but it, you know, there was, there was, there was room. There was room to kind of experiment a little bit with my, with what I was doing, because you know I'm typically used to just being on my own and just kind of doing it that way, and you know not really having to communicate everything that was in my head. I could just do, you know what I'm saying. But now I was mm -hmm. having to like actually, I don't know, be forced to actually effectively communicate with other humans, and um, <laughs> I'm not real good at that. But uh, I, th you know, so this was actually really really interesting to kind of almost fit myself into this particular role. But then also like be part of this like evolution of Trino of this Trino leaves, which is uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm, I'm kind of rambling, but I mean, 
I wasn't attempting to sort of like replace anything. It was just sort of like, well, how does this make every song work, you know? And then there were times where I actually was able to kind of go back and look at like, well, this song's more funk, you know? And I don't really ever really utilize like traditional funk sounds, you know, like Bootsy Collins and stuff, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. And so I was, I was actually got to do some of that, you know? Like actually like, like purposely do that for Eerie City, I think, which is one of the songs that is uh, being premiered, right? Um, and that was kind of one of what the the goal was in that particular song was sort of like okay well how can I emulate that but also give it a bit of an edge so the particular effects that I used were a little bit more um, a little more uh, um, obnoxious which <laughs> <laughs> I guess is <laughs> a way to describe it. Of the Eric City, baby, I'm crazy. Do you want to run through the streets? Cause lately, shit's getting hazy all the time. Glasses, baby, it's rosy. Do you hear the bang bang on the city's drum lines? Let's join the party, fall in line. I don't waste my time trying to live life. The woods are knocking at the door, can't hide and shade anymore.
So you're a musician. Your band's got the sound. You've written your own music. And now you need a studio to record it. Come to Laser Light Recording Studio, now open right here in town. Laser Light delivers the complete studio recording package for local musicians. High quality equipment, post processing, and mixing, plus a balanced range of musical instruments, amps, mics, and studio players for taking your dynamic sound to the next level, plus video ready capabilities. Toledo's Collaboration Station. The laser light atmosphere is a uniquely designed space centered on capturing the art of your performance. The studio is modeled around an unassuming environment, delivering both freedom and fulfillment. The laser light acres are the ideal setting to snap some photos for social media, playbills, and product releases. The world is calling. Pick it up. If you're a musician looking to record your music, come take a tour. Check out the vibe and book your session at Laser Light Recording Studio in Waterville. For more information, go to laserlightrecordingstudio.com. That's laserlightrecordingstudio.com. I'm, I'm not obnoxious works. I think I, I, <laughs> you can, you can, you can, you can, you can explain that as a, as a, as a good descriptive term for the music, but yeah, you can, you can reference, you know, you know, Dustin and I, we've talked, uh, uh, you know, not during this, uh, about, you know, the world of post-rock and everything like, and, oh, I got into it, you know, uh, you know, years ago, but you know, the, those acts, you know, the, your, your explosions in the sky, your apple seed cast, mm-hmm. you know, those are always like the go-to like major mainstream worlds of like post-rock before diving way into, you know, uh, the world of post-rock, you know, one big one out of, uh, you know, Ohio is, uh, you know, if these trees could talk, um, great. which is, yeah. yeah, which are great, which is, you know, I, I actually tried to reach out to them and I got no answer. So it was unfortunate. Um, love to have them on. <laughs> it doesn't it, seem it, like they want to talk. Uh, there it is. Well, no, they're very, they're very, they're very, they're very like, they don't like, they're very just just, like, they don't do anything. And, and they kind of just put music out. That's it. Yeah. yeah, They just, they just jump out and go, Hey, we have music. Here it is. Um, which I guess it is. If trees could talk, I'm sorry. I'll stop. I'm sorry. (laughs) Bad jokes. This is why I don't talk. We're very competitive with other bands with a tree in their name. So we, we crossed paths in my, my space years ago. Just just performing just a huge festival during Arbor Day, and there it is. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that has to happen. <laughs> you guys need it's to talk a, to us now. It's not a bad idea. That's it. It's see, a fantastic see. idea. There it is. I absolutely idea, love man. that, Peepa. You can that, you can help promote it and put it together. Fantastic. There. I'll do it. That's I'm it. In. You heard it first today, guys. Arbor Tree go, yeah. Day with Trino Leaves and um, <laughs> the, the other guys, that, the other trees that don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> As we jump, as we jump into the the, the story of uh, the Eyes of Xylem, so you know you have this weird fever dream of and stream of consciousness of the story. So, what is the story of the Eyes of Xylem? Um, I to sort of like condense it, it sort of gets into like it's about perspective and the varying perspectives that we all sort of encounter, and sort of uh, the eyes are sort of the play on sort of the various perspectives that we all experience the same events through. And I think my idea was to split those into two characters who experience the same story, but differently the whole time. And you're sort of trying to experience both of their perspectives through this, the story arc. And I think I was trying to, that's something I can relate to even with my personal relationships with people where many times you hear the same story and you both hear it a different way, or you experience something that was the same action, same action, but you both thought something else happened. And I thought it would be interesting to try to dive into that and how it would affect someone's experience through a lot of things, which is in sort of ways, this is sort of like an arranged, their birth, it's a, they're an arranged marriage. They're sort of thrown into this sort of thing right away. And they just sort of go in a car and drive to the city and then just 
go. And so there's really not, there's a lot of ideas of rebirth and sort of, um, obviously the tree, there's a lot of things there with relative to, you know, the shedding of your leaves. And we played with those ideas through a lot of characters and things like that. But I think the eyes, it's really, it comes into perspective. And I think that's something the band has, that's been a theme that we've, I've at least gone through with a lot of the lyrics through the years is trying to understand reality and the varying perspectives on it. I think that's like a big theme for us. And uh, the artist, Andy Thomas, really, at the beginning, this was kind of a hard thing to sell him. And I think some of the the treatment I wrote, he kind of would stare at me and be like, I don't, you know, it was like <laughs> a dog sort of, you know, doesn't understand what you're trying to tell him to do. But then at one point it just made sense. And so I think we, it was really cool to work with him and not feel like we were confusing each other. Like it was a really good back and forth with an artist. And many times I just sort of hand it over to the artist and let them do anything they want. And so there was a very rigorous sort of, uh, editing process of getting back and, and analyzing things and making sure every graphic and every thing that you see is, was important and help push the narrative because it's sort of like a song where you don't want any wasted space. You know, and I think hopefully people, when they experience the record in that format can also want to go back to it and maybe try to learn more of the story through a second listen or a third or something like that. Yeah. So um, a bit of, a... of an, an audio where's Waldo or something like that, <laughs> yeah. you know? There's a bit of a, like, yeah, it's kind of follows that Joseph Campbell story, you know, uh, uh, the hero's journey kind of story structure, mm -hmm. you know. There's the underworld they have to face, and that's a notion, um, notion to a knife fight. That's like where they kind of <clears throat> go through this troubling time, and then they find themselves faced with Brother Rain, and, you know, and then there's enlightenment, and, you know, there's everything. It's it kind of, it, it touches upon all of those, those particular notes. Um, so it's very much... Um, uh, mythological in that way it follows that kind of um old form uh storytelling well, and a lot of bar borrowed themes borrowed, yeah. borrowed iconic icons things like that you know there's also the anthropomorphic aspect of it where everything sort of i mean when i committed to make tree people i felt like well i'm gonna have to <laughs> make other things people like or human like and i think that was really fun again to world build because i think for us this was fun to do something that we'd like to do more of and sort of the, the story isn't over with this this record, it's sort of a two-parter, which I think is something fun too, where it, uh, it's different to approach something almost like yeah. a film, especially now when people don't, people don't have the attention span as like they used to and stuff. So it's almost like trying to build a collection of 30 minute pieces of music, which is like TV show oriented. I think that was something I definitely was intending with the experience to keep it about a 30 minute story and see if you know, if you want to do more, we're, we're probably going to have more of it. So what's well, no, it's not you know, uncommon that the world of comics and the world of music have come together, you know, your Coheed and Cambria, you know, uh, Gerard mm -hmm. Way and his numerous projects in the comic book world, um, you know, uh, with the Umbrella Academy and the fabulous Killjoys, um, sure. you know, the, the ideas of, of music and comics and art uh, all blend together. And uh, it's very, you know, you see the visualizers and you see the visual aspects of like music videos of a concept of a, uh, of a song and everything. You can see artists, you know, put out music videos that are, you know, world building that way. Uh, yeah. But the idea of world building within the music is, you know, it, it is not too uncommon for that, for the, for the casual ear. So when you, when people dive into Trino leaves, at this point of the eyes of Xylem, 
do you think that this is uh, this will be good for new listeners? Uh, what about you know continuing people Absolutely. for everything? It, it this is just like a new chapter, another chapter that anybody much like getting into the comic books, you don't know where to jump on or jump off or wh- wherever. So you know if you're new to this world, uh, you can jump onto this point. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a good point is that sort of this would be a great place to start because in many ways we are starting over, especially with COVID. You know, we've had a year off really from playing any show. We actually played two shows this year, which went great. You know, port, we were port shows. But I think um, this is a good place to start. We're referencing, for me, this album was referencing a lot of things the band had done in the past and the things I liked and that I didn't want the band to forget about in some ways. And I think that was sort of an homage to our, a lot of the old stuff we had done, especially with using electronics looping uh we did there's a lot of like uh you know sound recordings of sort of you know ambient weather you know there's like sound from like lake michigan like there's very field recording stuff which is usually unique so i think it's i'd like to do more of that as a band as a sort of a second half that's not i'm not against to sort of your old way of approaching it but it's sort of i felt like that got stale for us and just putting out records just a collection of songs never really made as much sense for us you know we're not a touring band so why you know why not work on something a little more unique and i think uh this would be a great place to start yeah because you have no expectations too and so and i I really feel like our some of our old fans will be a little confused but also intrigued by it and i think we'll also it's still trino leaves and so we've done a lot of stuff we used to be a two-piece with electronic music and it was just looping and um and and i would say i I would i would say that even even old school fans you know of of what you know trino leaves would would still find elements of this that would be satisfying. I mean, you know, the old jammy stuff is there. Erie City's got a nice jam to it. So I definitely, when we play it live, we're, we're extending that. I mean, we just can't. It's super fun. As a matter of fact, I'm like when, when, it, when it happens, I'm like, oh, we're, I, we changed. We should have just kept that going longer. Like, cause I just kind of want to continue. I want to live in that space. It's super fun. Um, and um, but yeah, so I think it's. I think there's enough there for everybody, new new fans and old alike. Honestly. Yeah, I wanted to write stuff that kind of, again, yeah, calls to that to say, hey, you know, we do have these improvisational moments, you know, let's give this song that treatment and sort of, and have it make sense within the context of the story too. I think, you know, Erie City, the artwork, there's actually a dance going on, sort of an old ballroom and we're the band in the background, you know, just sort of locking <laughs> into it. And I think that's something that, you know, again, everything had a reason. There's a reason why we're jamming if like, if, you know, if, if the sax player is playing things that are off kilter but still work it's because the characters aren't a place in which there are a lot of different things happening and it's confusing and so i think um, yeah that's the point in the city where they they find the the trigger fingers right the uh the sort of secret police of this uh kind of um you know authoritarian uh establishment that's uh taking over that particular part of the city and you know there's like crashing flames that they shoot yeah. So yeah, they shoot the flamethrowers in the song. There's this part where it's just like, ah, it's just like, it's like, what would sound like if you're being burned, sort of burned alive, you know, in sort of a twisted way. And so again, like that's, that was the intention. And I think the band's never really done. It's a very family that family. Where, where everything had a point. Yeah. There really was an intention to, um, the sounds and why we would sort of go into an ambient drone space. It wasn't just cause we didn't know what else to do at the end of the song. It's cause there was a, a narrative aspect to it of sort of a transformation into the next song and things like that. So it's like taking things the band used to do, but giving it all reason. And I think that's like, it's like a good film, you know, it's like at a point a certain director says, Hey, I'm really good at fight scenes. Get some really cool, like, you know, experimental stuff here. But at the point there's none of this stuff really works together. Let me put the glue of everything together. And that was like, I think that's what the eyes of Xylem were, were sort of a, 
the glue around all the stuff that the band had done in the past and wants to do in the future too, for sure. You know, cause there's a lot of stuff on this record we've never done. And even the, just the subject matter is very appropriate for this year about everybody's different point of, point of view, uh, because boy, have we seen a lot of different point of views and saw a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, ugliness, uh, from everyone, uh, yeah. uh as, and, and really like it just, in my opinion, like my, my, my belief in people, uh, and has really gone down and shaken a bit. And 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 becoming more and more of a little bit of a cynic, and that's something I don't necessarily like. But also at the same time, like everybody's proving certain things that Be, being a cynic is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, when you look at the actual look, think you know the philosophical under, underpinnings of what a right. cynic is. Yes, yes, it's actually a very very interesting thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's when we get bogged down in pessimism is when we start to really really that's that's the not hard part. function, right? Yes, yeah. Sorry, I don't mean to. I don't mean to. Like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, you're right though. A lot of that, a lot of those like um, feelings and points of view. I think that that kind of, I mean, it was it was inescapable, and I think so to a degree. A lot of that stuff's in the album in terms of themes and the things that these characters sort of come across. But also in the music, I think to a degree. But it's not so anxiety inducing that you're not going to want to listen. Right? Does that make sense? You're, yes. There's still enough escapism there. I think that you can just kind of put a pair of headphones on and just be like old school. You know, sit down, listen to it, look at your artwork. I mean, because. You know, this is there's going to be digital release, obviously, but there's also we're also focused on it to a degree. I think uh, having that physical part of that experience where you're looking at the album, you're looking at the artwork, listening to the music, and being drawn into this this sort of world. You know, I mean, because yeah, even though there might be some similar themes in the in the world that you're we might be asking you to go to, um, it's still ultimately more of an escape and a fantasy. You know, because it ends in a really interesting way. So, but the promise of more. And and the physical release is always going to be actually you know be us us three all being comic book fans and you know we we like I you know and I don't want to speak for both of you but like we like the physical release yeah. you know something about you know as much as the uh, you know the industry and the comic book industry is moving more digital um, there's something that you know just having the book in your hand or the the comic book in your hand and you know turning the pages and reading you know the story like that you know we're on screens enough as it is even more <laughs> so this year right, right. Uh, it's nice to get get away and see something a little bit more analog in a sense mm-hmm. that was important for this project too i think you know with us doing the vinyl for the last record and it was a success but in some ways a failure because i think it's like tough to sell a lot of vinyls because uh, you're the amount of people who actually use it is still fairly low but it's 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 growing and it's still but at the end of the day i was like i it's still worth it to have a physical album. You know, I, there's part of me that thinks like, Oh, if the internet goes down, then like no one's going to know any of these bands ever existed, you know, except for the ones that <laughs> printed off a few copies of a record, you know, it's kind of like, you know, that's sort of the, the, the twisted side of it. But I think with this one and Steven was right with escapism, I think that was definitely a part of the intention with the world building, because I love that about music and especially films. I mean, that's like, why television and film work it's, it's pure escapism it's sort of you you're t- trying to get all of the senses focused on what you're experiencing you know and so holding it seeing it um hearing it i think is important you know and i think for us and we're also going to do a, a vinyl with this like a small seven inch release to kind of go as a companion because i think that's still important because the cd just seems like a very bizarre <laughs> form of music at this point you know 
I just don't even know what to do with no, it. You <laughs> watch like... your mouth, sir. You just be clear. You just watch what you're saying over there. I still buy CDs and I listen to them often. And I'm There's upset that any new there. car that I buy is not going to have a CD player in it. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm like an old man that's like, get off my lawn. You know, I'm yelling at you're clouds like, at this point. Yeah. I'm like, the where's my CD? The computers have no, the computers don't want any CDs anymore. They're like, get out of here. So, but even I the know. issue of them skipping, skipping and stuff is tough. I think a lot of the shelf yeah, life yeah. is rough. Um, they do wear down over time, but you know, it's it. It's an interesting format, I think. But that um, vinyl, that vinyl is still, oh, that's here to stay, it seems like. You know? It really is. You can kind of beat that shit up. You really can. It's kind of weird. You can go to garage sale, you rip it out, and like it's not perfect, but it, it's there. You feel it, you know, and I think that's what's important. And I think you know, for us to, to ask someone to spend money, I think at this point it's hard to ask someone to spend money on a digital, you know, zeros and ones is hard. No, it's you know, not. Me, think, we can totally <laughs> ask them to spend money on a digital, Dustin. <laughs> we can absolutely ask them to give us their hard-earned cash for their escapism and then thank I've us had, for that. I've had 10 years of asking for people to pay me for zeros and ones. That's and okay. I can, <laughs> they've never done it. So, But I do joke about the physical release is important. I think even the vinyl, we didn't, we didn't have a ton of streams of that record, but we sold a good amount of those. That And I think that's sort of if that felt better, that felt better to me that like I could say, Oh, we got, you know, 10,000 streams, but we sold a hundred vinyl records or something. I just felt more substantial to me than something else. You know, you're going to travel with those. Sorry. You're going to travel with those records. You might take it to your right. next home. You're, you know, you're going to be an old person with that thing. That's like, that was also so part that's of like a connection of actually having a live show too. You know, you get done playing yeah. people are coming right up to the, you just, you had a great experience. They wanted to take some of that. At least, you know, that's my yeah. experience. When I go to show I'm going to take this home, you know? So I have noticed when when playing with you guys that first that first that tail end of the year there was fantastic. We did all those shows. I had a blast. I was always selling a record or two out of that thing, you know. And I know that's usually something we do anyways. But I mean, I just thought that was really fantastic. I was like, yeah, look at that man. Look at that merch table. I didn't have a merch table flyer with agenda. I was like, yeah, I got some CDs. You want some? And they were like, yeah, okay, sure. Like, you know, <laughs> you guys really had your had your shit together, man. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 all plastic in the end. So I feel like it's a. Uh, it, it, it served its purpose and you know a big part of my life was is was consumed by cds but i don't know i bought like i got sturgill simpson's uh, record of his today and i listened to it and just like hit me in a different way i you know i just sort of uh, there's something about yeah holding it feeling it and then comic books made me realize that too because you're right you know there is sort of like this weird move into digital comics too and even digital reading and it just doesn't make sense to me I'm, i'll be the old man with that i just like holding it seeing it I like seeing the ink on the page. There's just something kind of beautiful about that still. And I think uh, for us to put this on a vinyl and to have it printed is really like, I like that feeling, you know, we went to the the, the vinyl uh, factory in Cleveland for the, for proper holographic and seeing it made, it was just sort of a very kind of spiritual experience when uploading it mm -hmm. to Bandcamp is not the same, you know? It's no, like, no you it's, know? I guess it's not, is it? You're not going to a cathedral to do that. Although maybe that is our future at some point. <laughs> We will go upload parts of ourselves to uh, <laughs> divine with uh, whatever constructed nature we have for ourselves. Yeah. Cathedral release.
So with all the talk uh, talks about the Eyes of Asylum, so when do we get to get it, read it, hold it, smell it, taste it? What when is it? I think that's still kind of a tough one to figure out for us. I think uh, I mean this show will really be people's first real experience with hearing some of the new music, mm-hmm. and I think that's that was important for us to try to be a little more creative with how we release stuff and sort of build awareness. But I think. Uh, with us wanting to do the physical release, there's a little bit of time left, but we're not far off. So I think we're probably looking at like very early next year would be ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're basically if we we're um, basically at the most, end of recording at this point. Yeah, we're right. At the, we're right there now. So I think, and we're also put, there's a live album that comes out with it, and we're gonna we're releasing a video performance of the whole record. Yeah, um, we didn't even talk about that yet. That there's yeah, gonna be so a, this is actually a double release. Like that's just something we didn't even talk about yet. Go ahead. So that's important, I think, too, for us, because it was like with us, it's like, you know, making a concept record is fun. But I think if you're not able to actually perform it, it almost seems sort of like a a one off, you know, and I didn't want the album to be that. So I think it was really important for us to 
create something that could be performed live. And we did that at Howard's Howard's club H here in Bowling Green. We did a really, um, fun show with them. Did, did like a six camera take, um, with loon Bay studios out of Chicago who we, we've done some stuff with before. And so we're going to put that out, I think. So we might in some ways might even put that out before the record is sort of just a way to, for people to experience that too. And then follow up with the album is sort of just trying to be non-traditional and also, I think people are missing live music sometimes and that it doesn't always work through streaming. And so I wanted us to do something that sounds great and looks good and you can watch it whenever you're not sort of committed to hearing it through some terrible stream on your phone, you know, Loon, like in the end, we're trying to make, we're trying to make sound. And I think uh, if you can't experience it in a certain way, it's not worth doing. So um, they, they were so great in, in helping us sort of like, I don't know that I remember that experience. Like we were at one point, I was like, I was my meds wore off. I was super tired and hadn't eaten. I thought we, I mean, we were gonna be wrapped up by now, but like we still had like four songs to get through. And I was like, like we gotta keep going. We gotta keep going. And they were like, guys, just take a break. It's okay. It's okay. Put your mask on. Go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> they were great. So yeah, I would totally highly recommend them for anything. You know, any of those those those. As projects. much as the live stream experience, uh, uh, what that twenty twenty was with like a lot of music and shows, and like even like a lot of bigger bands like came out with like stadium like style, you know, mm-hmm. um, videos and everything. They recorded like four K. You know, I remember like right. Tesseract mm-hmm. doing shit like that. Nothing oh, yeah. but not nothing but le- uh, nothing but these did something like that. They were all all everybody was performing at like a big stadium, and they had like all the you know the bells and whistles, but like. No, I'm sorry. It's just not the same. Like it just feels so dystopian to just see. Oh, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna pay a ticket to to watch a live stream on my phone. I'm like, fuck. I don't yeah. like that. Like I, I get the idea, and it's and it's a way to express, you know, the the musical process in in a time where we can't be together. You know, in the modern era, there is a plague of sorts. You know, around it just feels so medieval. At the same time, that it is also so you know, just it, it's it's so weird. Like I'm just so tired of all of it. Like you know, the Zoom calls, the you know, the social distancing, <laughs> the mask, the everything. Like I'm I'm tired yeah. of it. But like these are the things we got to do right now. And I hate where, you know, businesses and, and, and everything where it's just like, Oh, this is the new normal. Like, and all the articles, everybody's saying this is going to change things. I'm like, yeah, it's going to suck for uh, another, you know, three to six months um, uh, and everything. But you know, like it's not normal. Like this stuff is just no. temporary. It's all temporary. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that was something we tried to avoid. <laughs> and we didn't want to kind of do the streaming stuff. Cause it felt like a temporary, temporary, a way to deal with where we were at. And I don't think that was necessarily what we wanted to do. You know, I think it was really more about trying to build something that we could, once the, once COVID is gone, that we can then go and build upon even more. And I think that was the live stuff was like committing to saying, Hey, once we come back to normalcy, we'd love to come out and play this record front to back for you and have the visuals and have this, try to experience this world with you in a, in a, in a real way. And I think that was something that I wanted to do. And, putting the live album as a companion and doing the video, I think was important for us because it, it is about bands right now. That's it's real. It's real time to see like, who's committed as an artist. Who's who was only doing this to hang out with people and who was doing this for the social and who was doing this for the streams. I don't think those people are going to be around as much through this because it, there's a reality check with, if you're an artist to like keep going through this, you know, and especially Steve and I can sort of, 
with our age in some ways also and families understand there's like a lot of pressure to say hey what's the point of doing this you know if it's you're not Time getting rich doing, rich doing it but i think i feel like i made the best record i've ever made the most creative and most unique thing and, and i just turned 39 you know yesterday so it's sort of like really youngins I think there's something to say about music and trying I totally to find... thought you were my age. I didn't think you were close <laughs> to 40. So, yeah. So it's like one of those things where I think it's important for artists to look not the other way like... right now. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. Peak, no, you know, man peaking early, peaking early is dangerous. And so I think it's like the COVID helped me go, you know, what? I really do want to make music even more so, you know, and like I had a kid, I got married and like, I never really, it didn't make me want to do this less. It just made me more focused. And yeah, it's hard. Sometimes you can't just, live with four guys in a house and play music all day. But there is something sure. about making a record in the midst of chaos and trying to want to build something off of it. You, I think you I, end up having to be more efficient with your time. You know, if you're going to have rehearsal, it's actually rehearsal. It isn't, let's figure this riff out. You know, that's when you do, you do that shit when yeah. your kids go to sleep and you know, mm -hmm. you, you got time, you know, mm -hmm. you, you sit down and work on your material. And then when you guys get together, rehearsals, actually rehearsal, it's not the time to hang out. I mean, you hang out, you still bond sure. and all that stuff. But you know, I think when you have kids, you're kind of like, I have a mortgage. Well, when kids in a house, you're like, I got a mortgage. I got, you know, <laughs> like if I'm going to devote time to this, it needs to needs to bear something. I at least need to break even in this, you know, give me some gas money at least, you yeah. know, <laughs> I'm going to be going around. But I mean, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it just, it just really helps um, focus you, I think, to a degree, right? Well, back in March, I talked about that, you know, this is now the time of like the artistic renaissance. Like this is like now you get to hunker down and, you know, whatever you can explore, explore, do that now because, you know, and yeah, it's been difficult. And yeah, you know, when I first put it out, I was just, I was really thinking like, you know, this is going to blow over in a few months, oh, like, and, and going did. into it we and, yeah. and boy, were we completely and utterly wrong. And it's it actually just, it's ramping up to be really bad uh, until everybody, you know, the time this recording, you know, one vaccine has already started making its rounds. Another one has <laughs> just gotten, you know, approved and that's going to hopefully make its rounds shortly soon after the holidays. It's, you know, it's a weird fucking time, but like yeah. now is the time yeah. for you to get weird with all of your art and all of the music yeah. and explore and, and, and try things. And, you know, because that is your escape now, like, and much like music and art and everything is everybody else's escape. Now it's now time to really focus and chill. And like, what are you, what are your goals and what do you want to do? And wh what are you going to come out with it? Because there are two great things that are going to come out of all of this either. And, uh, well, one great thing that's going to come out of this is a lot of the art and the music and everything that everybody has developed over time and the skills and the, how we've all evolved. The other one that could be good or bad, depending how you look at it, is all the fucking kids that are going to be coming out of all the COVID, <laughs> all the COVID hookups. Forced to listen to all their parents' uh, music, <laughs> making <it> artistic <laughs> endeavors, and they'll just come out and be like, "That's yeah, like yeah, come out little artists and stuff." And that's actually something my son's been doing. Like, he's been making the uh, shameless plug. My son's been making a ton of music on his own, and I've like, yeah, I know everybody talks about their kid like they're the the awesomeness, but yeah. like that kid is amazing. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's making music that I was making a couple years ago, and he's only 11. How the hell did that happen? That's great. Yeah, you know? it's really something. He's on Bandcamp, um, and on uh, uh on uh, what's it? The sound? What's the other one? What's the other one? All the rappers SoundCloud, are on SoundCloud. Yeah, SoundCloud. Yeah, yes. he's on, yeah, he was. He did. I got a SoundCloud thing. I was like, what? On there, though. That's about well, it, he's yeah. got this whole Icelandic personality thing that he's doing he's really into cigarettes and so like he's that and, and then tool you know 
But like so, <laughs> anyways, um, this isn't about his music. I apologize. Yeah. But uh, you know, yeah, no shit, go on. off, man. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. So yeah, he's um, you know, we, we got he's got he plays everything, drums, keyboard, everything. He sings all that stuff. Um, he's got basses, of course, and he's got guitars. But long story short, I remember like he would disappear for a couple hours and. You know, well, I mean, I knew where he was. He was in his room, but he came downstairs. And he was like, "Hey, Dad, listen to this song," and I was like, "Okay, oh, yeah, let me hear about it." And I was like, I was floored. I, I, I took, a, I, I, I recorded it on my phone. I sent it over to the band, and I was like, "Hey, let's steal this. This is a really good riff." I was joking. I'm joking. I didn't actually say let's steal this. But what <laughs> I did do is I was like, "I'm really impressed, dude. Can I play bass on it?" And he was like, "Yeah, Dad. I guess you can." <laughs> sure, Dad. <laughs> Oh, my dad's in the band with me. Oh, yeah, God. I know, right? Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm gonna totally embarrass you with my fretless playing, but that's all right. <laughs> Sorry, anyways, a side uh, side tangent. I apologize, but yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of something that can that comes out of having, you know, your kids being around you, watching what you do, and you know, you have yeah. to. And, and I think I don't know. This is something that everyone's had to deal with: is be home with their kids. You know, have to watch them. You know, learn online. Some of us are still working and working from home you know, mm-hmm. doing all the Zoom meetings and stuff. And so, um, you know, in our downtime, we were able to kind of make music and just kind of, you know, so he was, so my son's been watching this whole thing unfold and then suddenly started making his own music too. So in a way, this whole album process is sort of, it, it, like you're saying, it's influenced the next generation in certain ways. No, that's awesome. I, I sort of just now sort of, yeah, hit me sort of, yeah. I mean, I have a four-year-old son who's sort of, you know, I've been recording this thing in the same way sort of where it's sort of, didn't hit me like he's over in the other room playing a game or sort of, but he'll walk in and I'm just recording vocals for the record. And I think that's pretty awesome to normalize that to where your, your family just thinks it's normal to be in the basement working on mixes and recording stuff. You know, I think that's beautiful. You know, that's like, that's what your dad's doing at night. You know, he's not like just watching football or something, you know, like it's sort of interesting to sort of have that create that lifestyle, especially in COVID has lent itself to do that. You know, I've, I've been unemployed since March. And so, and that's the longest I've ever, never worked, you know, since I was 16. And so it's, it led me to do things as an artist that I took could take some chances and try stuff and be critical to your work too. I think there's always a rush to get your music out, to get your art out. Cause there's not enough time. And I think this record is different where there was definitely not a rush with this one. And I think that's, that's rare for artists to have that time to not feel like they're rushed or they need to go out, play shows more. We just, we couldn't. So you know, I think that's pretty interesting for hopefully a lot of other artists will also be inspired by that because they have the time to, I don't know, reflect on their own music, why they make it and, you know, if they want to keep making it. And I think that's a beautiful thing is because, you know, as much as we hate to see all these like venues and every, and, you know, people yeah. can't tour and like yeah. a lot of people make their living on the st- style of music, but music is still existing like don't get me wrong and 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 this is and this will be an unpopular opinion the world of sports have become more and more like i just don't give a fucking shit about sports anymore <laughs> i think yeah. just the idea of just sports in general like how how uh society views athletes or something because you're really good at running you're really good at you know, jumping, you're really good at catching things. Therefore, we put you on a higher pedestal than the people that are actually artists that actually put in the time, the energy, the work and everything. I've le- I've leaned more towards that world more. I'm just like, why is not art being viewed as, as big, if not more than the idea of sports? And it comes down like, and that's why like something like this is good in the sense of like, you took away the idea of, you know, people getting together and throwing a ball, throwing a puck, 
throwing a whatever, doing some kind of physical activity. You took that all away from us. You take you you took the idea of being around people away from artists, and artists are still like, okay, whatever, and they keep going. If not, <laughs> okay. they thrive more into it. Kind of used to it, actually, right? And to a degree, right? Yeah. You know, you're sort of like, well, I'm just kind of used to <laughs> being over here twiddling my, you know, with my with my my stringed instruments and whatnot and making weird noises. So, you know. So I think you know, to a degree, I'm I'm just sort of like, yeah, it's sort of like how it's always been, really. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I I don't get sports. I just don't. This is me though. My wife is all about sports, which is odd to me. You know what I mean? Like, because I'm just she's all about it. And I'm and I've said to her, I'm like, I just don't get it. I don't. Can you please explain? She's tried many times. I yeah. still don't get it. And I always liken it to the fact that like, you know, I have a band that I really like. I love this band. And then the one songwriter leaves, and the band doesn't sound the same anymore. And I'm like, hmm, I don't think I like that band anymore. But yeah, right. this this these people will go, these people, I should say sports fans, would say, <laughs> hey, I really like this team. But then when that person leaves, you have a whole new team the next year. And I'm like, well, I don't understand. Why don't you like still like, why do you like this team? It's almost like brand loyalty at that point. I mean, I mean, I, really I, I like, am I really into Scott's toilet paper? Like, it's, so they changed their formula and like. I mean, this is toilet paper because it's 2020. I mean, everyone's like... I mean, yeah. You know, so that's why I'm... <laughs> that shit Anyways, totally I'm kind of rambling here. Good. My point is, is I just can't... I, that's just for me. I just have a hard time kind of like bridging. I get the idea. I get the idea of you really enjoying watching amazing athletes do this stuff because, you know, they are, they have conditioned themselves and they're they're really amazing yeah. at what they do. Nothing against them for what right. they do and how yeah. and, the, and the, the process of it. But at the end of the day, like, you know, just... I, I'll spend... I'd rather spend money on you know a physical copy of like the records behind me <laughs> right, uh, right you know or the the shirt i wear repping uh the people that i like oh, we lost dustin <laughs> you know it's fine uh <laughs> the people the the people i like you know the the ideas the experiences the connections i made for all these people than yeah. just like watching a bunch of people more you know yeah. healthier than i am do something that i will never like, uh, like, and never in my world will be able to do. Like, yeah. I, I can, t- I can sit here and talk and entertain, and that's what I'm good at, and and dissect and everything. And maybe one day, you know, if I if I get the courage up to do it, make my own stuff. But <laughs> that is a world that I am always thinking and creating and putting out, and that's something I believe in, uh, and and music and everything. Like I said, you know, if you're into sports. Great, but I think this world doesn't get enough love that it should be, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be, sure. and it's not considered more of a of an entity. And much like you know, schools and everything. The, what's the first thing that gets cut always? The arts program. Arts programs yeah, always. Absolutely. The humanities and the arts, things that kind of teach you to be a critical thinker and uh, challenge your uh, uh, the status quo, right? So. The critical thinker and the individual <laughs> thinker, too, which are yeah, two yeah. things that we all learn that like, hey, guess what? Things are not great, Wait, and see, the, these are the reasons always... why they're not great. And it's always the artists that are yeah. the first ones to tell you this is yeah. why they're not great. Yeah, we could have been telling you. We we knew that. That's why we're over here doing this thing. Mm. <laughs> you hear this music? You know, you see what we, yeah. we put out. You 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 know this artistic thing. If you you <laughs> stop for a moment and actually listen and watch and look, we've already known about this for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of the job, right? We're sort of like the gestures, right, of the uh, of the uh, of the world, like the world's kings, right? You're supposed yeah. to come out there and make fun of them, right? I mean, that's kind of the point, you know. Otherwise, you know, why do it, right? I mean, I suppose it's about you know self fulfillment and all that kind of stuff too. But I mean, right? Yeah, honestly, you know, we're supposed to. Be I think some ways it is more of a kind of stuff. Go ahead. 
yeah, musicians do have a role to sort of do that. I think that's something that I think you, if, if you as this like sort of an artist are deflated by your lack of streams or likes or followers, enough people stop doing it because of that, then there's enough people who are out, who are out there sort of critiquing and changing our perspective and affecting our thoughts. And so I think there's something for people to really sort of like realize that how much of art affects everything you do. Even music sort of like you're consumed by it all times in the radio, TV, uh, Every, everything is just sort of there's always music you're in a restaurant there's music playing you're in a store there's music playing it's just sort of it's just non-stop so I think it's always funny when people are reluctant to sort of support something that they can probably consume way more than almost anything else other than air food water you know as music I feel like it's almost like the other thing yeah and that was sort of what we all ended up having to do anyways during the first months of COVID, uh, of COVID was like stay home and binge all your favorite art and your shows that was, that were made by, you know, you know, writers and, you know, creatives and uh, a whole industry of art was like keeping people afloat in a way. Right. You know, you have music, you've got, so yeah. um, Somewhat undervalued, I think. Yeah. But um, monumentally important still, you know, I'm not saying anything that we don't all know already, but, but yeah, I think a lot of those themes are still part of the, um, part of this this album too i mean you know like we have that whole authoritarian sort of entity that's in that in that city that our characters go through and they have to kind of deal with similar sorts of experiences they have to fight you know or you know they have not fight but they have to flee from forces that uh, would would want them to see things their way you know and force mm-hmm. them into these particular roles and they have their own destiny and then eventually this leads to this sort of phoenix somewhat character of uh, the visionary canary which is i think another song that we're that's on here right that's the other one that's mm-hmm. right um that's sort of like the next focus of the the world should we you know continue and don this endeavor and this um uh what is it the um concept album <laughs> you know the part two yeah, it's would forward be, thinking yeah. yeah it was a forward thinking idea the visionary was sort of trying to be more optimistic and yeah, forward absolutely. in thinking in his as opposed to trying to regurgitate the past and focus on the bad he sort of is in the in the present and sort of trying to see where he can go in the future and i think flight sort of represents that idea of sort of you know space travel flight this sort of it's optimistic you know no one's pessimistic trying to fly some shit you know it's definitely more of an optimistic approach to say i'm gonna take off and look at something from a different perspective. I think if you're more pessimistic, you're less likely to try to see things from a different place, um, which is definitely a problem for our country of trying to see other people's viewpoints without wanting to just, you know, dismiss them entirely. And so that's something I had to deal with. And that there's definitely those themes in the record as well. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it sort of affects everything, you know, your, your personal life, your family, uh, your friends, your work, it's sort of uh there's a lot of that in there. And I think, uh, I don't know. I, I like using images to sort of see that. I think it's, uh, I was reading Promethea, which is a great Alan Moore series. And sort of there's this reference in there. They talk about how, you know, in many ways the using images to tell stories and sort of provide a context to understanding is, you know, predates words. And so in some ways we're, we have this sort of deep connection to images and seeing these pictures and sort of like almost cave paintings and sort of trying to have an understanding of the world. And I felt like that made more sense to me than just words or just music. And it felt like they were needed to sort of explain my intention. And so 
and especially with children's books too. I noticed I've been reading a lot of kids books with a four year old. So yeah, yeah. it was sort of like, if you pick the thing up, you're like this, damn, this could be a kid's album. I don't know. You know, it's sort of like, but I like that. I approachability oh. of it too, that it's something that could be, anyone could grab this and learn something from it. You know, a kid could certainly like my kid can actually <laughs> look at the artwork and actually tell me what the song's about, which is pretty great. That was like a test, you know, like can a four year old tell me what the heck I'm trying to convey in this art, you know, and Andy, you know, me and Andy think it looks cool, but a four year old has no idea what you're trying to say. I think it's like a good test, you know, to say if, you know, if a four year old gets it, I hope he got it. <laughs> the idea, well, the, a child's, the child's mind is just such a crazy, beautiful thing, honestly. Yeah. As, as, yeah, as someone really who has young, uh, young kids in and out of my home constantly, from with family members and everything, like just seeing all the brains develop and, and develop in their own personalities and stories and ideas and just, and w- without barely any push, but also so impressionative. Um, because of, you know, what their situation is, you, it directly does affect them, but in ways that you may not know of, uh, right off the bat. So it's, yeah. it's crazy to, to, to witness all of that. And it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, I think the eyes of Xylem is going to be something very interesting that people are going to have to check out when it is ready to come out, hopefully in 2021, uh, gentlemen, you guys have been great. This has been phenomenal talks and it's so glad to connect with both of you again. I'm glad both of you are doing well, uh, with everything if we want to get in touch with trino leaves how do we do so uh trino leaves.com everything's sort of there uh that's really the best place to follow us we're on instagram and facebook um youtube you know we've been doing music videos for a while and so um you know we're, right now we're pushing to put something out ideally towards the end of the year with some video to help sort of give us people an idea of what we've been up to and uh if you follow us there, you'll hear about the album. So we'll try to remind you, but yeah, really I would say within the next probably, you know, six to eight weeks, we should have stuff ready and ready to go. And I think that'll be really exciting for us. And so if you, if you, if you're interested in the album and you know, you want to check out some of our other work, yeah, Trino leaves is a place to do it. Yeah, of course. And, you know, we're honored that you guys have uh, chosen us to uh, debut a lot of the stuff. So if you like what you hear uh, on this episode, uh, please go and support them. And if you like anything you've heard uh, anytime this year or since the podcast has began a, couple, a few years ago, uh, check us out on all major podcast platforms. And, of course, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at on the Radar PC. All the links, all the episodes, and everything in between at ontheradarpc.com. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, and uh, anything else you guys want to add? Nothing. Just thank you, Peapod. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Like I yeah. said, so we're going to keep doing what we're doing. So hopefully we'll cross paths again. Absolutely. Future, so. yeah, thanks so much, Peapod. Appreciate of, it, man. Of course, of course. I am Peapod and you are you. And thank you so much for listening to another great episode of the On the Radar podcast. Yeah.